0: Thank you, Jenny. I'm always going too fast, so that's quite apt, isn't it? <laughs> it's really good to be here this morning. When I was actually um, looking at my calendar, it's a-, a year ago this weekend that I first came here and shared a message um, last June when David was doing his, um, his run on the seafront. And of course, he's doing that again today, so please pray for him in this heat that he, um, he-, he survives it and is um, yeah, pleased with his time. But anyway, let, let us pray. Spirit of God, as we reflect on the words of scripture we've just heard, use them to inspire, encourage, and move us as we seek to give you the glory in our lives every day. Amen. Amen. So I'm sure I'm not the only one that when I read the Bible, I compare myself to the various people whose stories we read about throughout this great book. I've always tried to aspire to my favourite characters, the disciple John and Barnabas. But actually, I have many of the character flaws of Peter in me, as I imagine many of us have. I'm impulsive and my mouth often engages far before my brain kicks in and I spend a lot of my time regretting something I've just said or done. And oh, what a lot we can learn about the life and ministry of this dedicated, intensely loving man of God. So despite me looking at the start of Peter's ministry, last time I came and shared a message, I really want to look at these last interactions that they have together this morning. So as we saw in the reading, we find Peter and some of the other disciples fishing by the Sea of Galilee, just west of Tiberius, And it's a quiet place on the north shore of the sea, And it's just as dawn was breaking onto a new day. Having risen from the dead, Jesus wasn't constantly with the disciples like he had been before his death. And after appearing to Thomas and the others, it took a little while for him to turn up again and be with them. And this encounter, as we heard, is only the third time since his resurrection. We read in the book of Matthew that the angels had told the women at the tomb that he was going ahead of them to Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. Now actually, there are no accounts that he did visit the women there, but this could account for why the men are in Galilee at this time. And it was Peter's idea to go fishing. And this was something familiar to them. Having come back from all their adventures, they may have needed to earn some money or that it was something they knew how to do. This was in their comfort zone, something that they could control. But actually that night, they couldn't, and they didn't catch anything. And they would have known that if you don't catch fish at night, it's unlikely that you're going to get anything once the day comes. And this is when Jesus appears to them, when the sun is coming up and they are tired and despondent, ready for food and rest. Peter, who longed to see Jesus again, and as we know, had unfinished business with him, didn't wait for the boat to reach the shore, but just in keeping with his character, he impulsively grabs his cloak and just jumps into the sea. And as they all finally join Jesus, they find a charcoal fire with fish and bread on it. This must have evoked memories for Peter of that fateful night after the Lord's Last Supper, where he'd been so insistent that he would remain loyal to Jesus, even declaring that he would lay down his life for him. And then just a few hours later, beside a charcoal fire, he regretfully denies that he's even one of his followers. And he has to live with the consequences of this. But thankfully, he has given his life to a saviour who offers redemption, forgiveness and grace. Thank goodness that we follow this same Christ Jesus. And I wonder if Jesus planned this meeting by a fire to conjure up up emotions of the scene of Peter's biggest shame, ready to heal him of the pain as he seeks for him to be used in the future. Now Jesus doesn't need the fish from his disciples. He's already got some. He doesn't need them at all. He can look after himself and the whole of heaven and earth while he's at it. But like the mission and ministry that the Holy Spirit leads us into, he wants to use us for his service, even when we make a real mess of it. But it's never just down to us. God's got it covered. He just invites us along for the ride and to include us in that joy of being part of something that is so much bigger than us. Like on this morning... Where he asks his disciples for some fish to contribute to breakfast, including them in providing some of the provisions. I've always wondered why, um, so I've always wondered who counted the 153 fish, and was it before breakfast or after? And was it John himself, which is why, after handling so many smelly, slimy fish, he wanted it on the record just how many fish there was when he wrote his gospel. And after they had breakfast together, Jesus takes Peter away from the others for a private moment. He's had enough shame and Jesus gives him this dignity and precious time alone with his friend who he has let down. Although John, the disciple that Jesus loved, is following them as they walk along the shore. I like to think that John is so aware of Peter's grief. He wants to make sure that he's close to his friend in case he needs him and because he just needs to be as close to Jesus as he can be. What an example of being aware of the struggles and emotions of our Christian brothers and sisters, and then pastorally walking beside them as they wrestle with their failings in the presence of God, praying for them as they put down their burdens at the foot of the cross. I imagine Peter must have been feeling anxious, unsure of their relationship, possibly waiting for Jesus to tell him how disappointed he is with him and that he's not welcome in their, part, in their group anymore. Something many of us have experienced, I'm sure, after a disagreement or a fallout. But although Jesus doesn't ignore Peter's failings, he doesn't remind him of them either. Let's face it, he didn't need to. Peter would have been beating himself up about this ever since it had happened. Jesus sets about restoring Peter. Peter. He doesn't tell him he's forgiven and let's just forget about it instead he continues to use peter the rock he declared that he would build his church upon for the role he's been preparing from him from right from the beginning and he clarifies the role he has planned for him this tells us much about the kind of leaders jesus is looking for Thankfully, he isn't looking for the perfect leaders for all, but for those who after failing turn back to God and use their restoration to strengthen those that they are called to lead. I wonder what God pointed to, sorry, what Jesus pointed to when he asked Peter, Do you love me more than these? Was he referring to the other friends gathered around the fire? Or maybe Jesus pointed at the fishing boats or a big catch of fish, the hundred and fifty three? We don't know, but he asks three times for Peter's assurances that he still loves him, despite all that they've been through together and the hurt and shame that is so poignant and consuming Peter. These correspond with the three denials by the fire, and Peter is given his commission to feed my lambs, look after my sheep, and feed my sheep. Peter has learned from Jesus how to be a good shepherd, and now he's been given this role to take over. As Jesus has told them in the first visit, way back to see the disciples after his resurrection, as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. And in this is a message that is good to be reminded of regularly as we walk on this journey of faith with God. We choose to be Christians because we love Jesus – And though we all fail to live up to the expectations that we place on ourselves to be perfect followers, Jesus takes that love and gives us an opportunity to heal our past hurts and failures and includes us in his future plans, giving us new challenges to fulfill. The past really is forgotten when we ask for forgiveness, as hope and grace wash over us again and again. And then Jesus tells Peter how he's going to die Which I have to be honest has always left me feeling a little bit uncomfortable The Jesus we follow is always kind and loving And I have to say this seems a bit mean But I read a book recently called A Dozen Disappointing Disciples And the author, um, a man called Tom French He had this theory that actually blew my mind And it made such perfect sense Which is why I want to share it with you this morning. So as we heard, Jesus tells Peter, very truly I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. And Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death in which Peter would glorify God. Which has been interpreted to mean that Peter would also face crucifixion, which is the method that is believed how he passed. We all know that we're going to die, and I know many of us have no fear about actually dying and going to be with God, but it's the way that our lives may end that is quite scary. Being a coward, I want to die peacefully in my sleep, not in a horrific accident or after great suffering. Knowing the worst possible death imaginable, that of dying on a cross, must have been horrific for Peter to hear. Why would Jesus subject him to that knowledge of what was to come that must have played on his mind every day? But the author Tom believes that Jesus' prediction was part of his restoration. He wasn't told this to make him fearful every time he was arrested or get depressed or live a life of anxiety. Jesus wanted Peter to know that he wouldn't let him down again. He was giving him that confidence that he would be able to live up to his own ideas. He would be able to fulfill all that God was asking him to, to lead his church. I do the Northumbria Community Morning Prayers, where I recite the words from Psalm 27 that we heard in our Old Testament reading. One day I... One thing I've asked of the Lord, this is what I seek that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. And as I'm reading these words, I often ask God to hold on to me and not let my faith lapse or let me wander from this life of service to him. And I do this not because I'm ultra holy, but because. Before coming to faith, I had always been an all-in, all-out sort of girl. I'd get into something and it would take over my whole life, my complete obsession for a season, only to be replaced by something new that interested me a few years down the line. And I have this fear that this character flaw that I have could result in me walking away from God to be consumed by something new in the future. I so know my weaknesses so that I ask God every day to hold on to me so I will dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. And I think Peter must have felt the same. Would he live up to this new commissioning to lead this group of Jesus' followers and that Jesus wouldn't be there anymore to help pick him up and keep him on the straight and narrow when he made mistakes? Or would he mess up again? so badly that he'd walk away in shame from following Jesus and go back to a life of fishing but knowing that he would die on a cross bringing glory to God was the affirmation that Peter needed to know so he knew that he wouldn't walk away even though it would lead to persecution and ultimately his death he would remain faithful this knowledge was a gift from Jesus, which meant he could confidently look to God as he led God's church, despite all the consequences that lay ahead. Wow, this was an amazing gift, despite the painful ending to come. And then after all these declarations and affirmations, Peter simply—sorry, Jesus simply says to Peter, The words that he'd said right at the beginning of his ministry, follow me, follow me. The intense love Peter has for Jesus means that he can be used to guide and lead his people as followers. His example of servant love. Early in the book of John, Jesus told his disciples to love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one more than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. He gave a practical example of what this kind of servant life involved when he washed their feet. It is a commitment to help people, whatever we feel about them, to grow in their love to Jesus, and he calls each of us to do the same. It's how we stand out in a broken world by our passionate love for others, giving ourselves to the care of God's sheep. Peter still made mistakes and acted impulsively, as we read about in the book of Acts. But he became a shepherd and a rock on which the church was built. Had he not had this encounter with Jesus, he would forever have been a broken man, defined by his mistakes. But Jesus gave him a new story, not by erasing his past or mimari- min minari- minari- I can't say that word, mineralite, <laughs> By making his sins look smaller than they were. <laughs> by our pa- but I've lost my place now. I'm totally thrown. But Jesus didn't use him for that. And that is also how Jesus uses us. And that's how we stand out in a broken world. By our passionate love for others. Giving ourselves. Do you know what? I'm completely, I've just recited what I'd said earlier. Okay, give me a moment. Give me a moment. Do you know what, Chris is here today, and she said to me earlier, it's a shame you're not doing the notices, because you always make a mess of them, and it makes me laugh. And I said, <laughs> she did, and do you know what I said to her? I said, I'm probably going to mess up in my message, so don't worry. I said, and when I do, I'm going to look at her. So Chris, I'm looking at you now, and I'm going to start again. <laughs> I, see, I can't say that. Chris, do you want to stand here and say it for me? <laughs> but Jesus gave him a new story not by erasing his past or minimising his sin, but by restoring him and using his place of weakness to rebuild his character. It was because of his fall and restoration that he was ready to be a leader that he was called to be, one who knew himself and his flaws, but who was defined by his relationship with Jesus. When you think about it, It is totally crazy to put a man who has publicly rebuked Jesus on the same night as he chopped off some guy's ear in charge of a church and especially not a new movement that would one day become the largest religion in history but the leader who is aware of his own weaknesses and has a total trust in Jesus is actually the exact kind of leader who can change the world and that was who Peter was. As Mother Teresa said, God has not called me to be successful, He has called me to be faithful. Peter was faithful until the very end. And whatever we've done in our lives, God can and wants to use us just the same. We are not defined by our sin and past errors. If we've come before Jesus in redemption, we are restored. Our sins are forgiven. But our past isn't erased, it becomes part of our story moving forward as testament to the goodness of God who can take what is broken and make it new. And it isn't about how many times we fail, it's about how many times we get up and make ourselves available to God to use us. And as as this encounter on the beach shows us, he always will if we continue to give ourselves again and again to God for his care. Amen to that. Thank you. We're going to finish with some worship. Thank you.